Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner, and I'm KW Taylor, and we're going to talk pop culture. Um, I'm Carrie Gessner, and I write science fiction and fantasy books, mostly fantasy. Um, my, I have an epic fantasy trilogy. The first one is called The Dying of the Golden Day. And, um, oh, I'm done. Sorry. And I'm K.W. Taylor, and I'm an author also. I write uh, science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Um, I've published over 50 short stories, and my current novel series that I'm actively working on um, started with the, uh, the Curiosity Killers, which came out from Dogstar Books in 2016, and I'm working on a sequel to that right now. Very good. Highly recommend. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. So the mission of this show, we decided to start this podcast because we're writers and we consume and produce pop culture, and we also really enjoy pop culture, unironically, without guilt, without having so-called guilty pleasures. When we like something, we just really like it, and we wanted to be able to share a sort of sense of joy surrounding things like books, music, TV, movies, um, nonfiction, uh, sports and culture, just stuff that we just that just makes us happy. Stuff that makes us happy. That's why it's called positively pop culture. We're going to start by telling you a couple of things that we like, just so you can get a sense of, of our tastes and interests. Uh, for books, obviously, I enjoy a lot of sci-fi and fantasy. Um, although, one of my favorite writers is Edith Wharton who is obviously not, although she wrote ghost stories. She did. She did. So that's, that's kind of horror, mm-hmm. which is neat. Um, but yeah, I spent a lot of time in high school and college um, reading so-called classics like Victorian era literature, um, a lot of Thomas Hardy and Jane Austen and stuff. And in terms of movies, Star Wars is one of my greatest loves ever. I was eight years old when I saw it for the first time, and it changed my life. (laughs) (laughs) No lie. I also like, recently there's been a a lot of good female-driven action movies. So I like Captain Marvel, Ghostbusters, Wonder Woman, um, Tomb Raider. I don't know if you've seen that. Have you seen that? Not seen that, no. Oh, I love it. I've watched it. So this is the Most new one or the old Angelina Jolie one? This is the new one. Okay. I tried I tried watching the old the second old one, I think, the sequel on yeah. Netflix or something, and I couldn't I couldn't get through it. But <laughs> but yeah, the new one with uh, Alicia Vikander. Okay. I think is how you say her name. Um and I also like a lot of not B fantasy movies, but the fantasy movies that don't really come out in the theaters, they're available online. And kind of just bombastic action movies like Pacific Rim. Mm-hmm. Love Pacific <laughs> Rim. So anything that I could have a lot of fun with, I think, at the movies. That's great. What kind of music do you like? Uh, it kind of runs the gamut. I Right now, I'm listening to like Taylor Swift, the Dixie Chicks. Um, that's, oh, that's kind of it. But um, I really love like Sarah Bareilles. Um, I love show tunes. I love country and pop and I don't know. It's yeah, it just, oh, I think maybe if I had to pick one genre, I'd probably be like folk, 
folk pop or alternative folk stuff, something like that. Awesome. What about you? So, um, I grew up reading a lot of horror fiction and I still read tons and tons of Stephen King. Um, but like you, I also read a lot of Victorian and Edwardian literature, like in some of my school programs. Um, and Edith Wharton is not specifically one of my favorites, but her good buddy, Henry James is. Mm-hmm. And like Edith Wharton, he wrote a lot of what we would consider literary fiction that's a little more realistic. But then he also wrote ghost stories and horror stories. And I'm so excited about the Netflix second season of what was originally The Haunting of Hill House. The second season is going to be The Turn of the Screw. And I cannot. Oh, really? Wait. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I'm so oh, excited. I had no idea. That's yes. really cool. Yes. So, and I always read like Edgar Allan Poe and a lot of kind of creepy stories. And, but I also, I just love science fiction and fantasy. I love urban fantasy. Um, Jim Butcher's Dress and File series is one of my favorite book series, although I've, I've really, really far behind on it, but I do love it. And, um, I just like to read a lot of speculative fiction, regardless of what subgenre or cross genres that is. I was recently having a conversation with my husband about China Mieville, uh, versus Neil Gaiman and how we feel like they kind of inspire each other in ways that may be strange, a little bit too similar at times, but <laughs> like, we like both of those guys. So stuff like that. And although I do read some romance and I read a lot of nonfiction, I just read a, a wide variety of stuff. Um, and I usually have multiple books going at once, so it's a little bit of a problem. Um, Same. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. It, I get, it is. I, I get excited about a new book. I've got like two books even sitting on this desk that are in my TBR pile. Nice. Um, so it's just a lot. And I love ebooks. I love to check ebooks out of the library. I love to make impulse Kindle purchases, and <laughs> that's just my jam. But I also love in in movies. I love a lot of the same things you mentioned. I, I'm a big fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I also do like smaller films. Um, I used to go to a lot more indie art house films, um, sometimes by myself because I could never get anybody else to go to those kind of movies. With me. Aww. Um, and I like foreign films, like some French cinema and stuff too, uh-huh. but. But anything that's got a good narrative, like narrative in in written fiction, in film and television, that is my thing. And I probably do like TV more than movies. I like a lot of science fiction TV and a lot of quirky cringe comedy TV. Um, hey, so nothing is cringeworthy. Well, no, it's it's like the <laughs> genre of like like things like Curb Your Enthusiasm. Okay. Yeah. So stuff where you're actually actively cringing <laughs> because the main character is making a total fool of himself. Um, and usually himself. It's usually, that's usually a male-driven genre, which we could go into more detail about why that is. <laughs> and then in terms of music, I like a lot of the stuff that you mentioned. I probably like rock a little bit more and electronica, um, a lot of different older alternative genres. And I like some good 70s classic rock a lot of the time too. So yeah. Nice. Yeah. Cool. All right. We're going we're gonna to move on to kind of highlighting some really specific stuff that we're currently actively digging right now. Actively digging. I, I'd like to ask you about this thing that you mentioned to me about the National Women's Hockey League. Can you tell us about that? I can. Okay, so I really love women's sports. I've always been a big sports fan. So in the past year especially, I've made a conscious effort to try to uh, support more women's sports. And I don't really even like hockey or I didn't as of last year did not like hockey right, and, right. which is crazy because I work right near PPG Paints Arena which is where the Pittsburgh Penguins play and everyone gets real into hockey fever and I'm always like oh 
hockey. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Can never even see where the puck is. But <laughs> then my friend really likes hockey, and she found out there was a women's league, and it started four years ago. This is their fifth season. And last December, the Metropolitan Riveters, who play out of New Jersey, and the Connecticut Whales, I think, they played a game in Pittsburgh. So I accompanied my friend, and I was like, hey, in person, this is actually kind of a lot of fun. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So I've been trying to follow hockey a little bit, and obviously they've been on a summer break because it's it's hockey. Um, And they're starting up in October, I believe, but they just announced on Twitter that NWHL has signed a three-year deal with Twitch, and Twitch is going to live stream the league's games for free, which I think is awesome because one of the big issues, I guess, with women's sports is accessibility. So I'm very, very excited about being able to watch those games live. Well, and Twitch as a platform, that's so like current and new and like the young people really. The like, young people. <laughs> young people. Um, but like people even younger than us really, really are into Twitch live streams of all kinds of things. Yeah. Not just gaming. It's become a really big deal for like people doing crafts live, people doing all kinds of things live. And I think that, um, I mean, I could add the Twitch app on my Fire Stick right now if I wanted. So, I mean, it's very accessible. And I think that's so cool. Yeah, so, I mean, I think it's uh, just available to a ton of people, and I think that's really great. That's awesome. Very cool. That might even get me interested in hockey, which... Yes, do not it. There. I'm not quite there yet, but... That's cool. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, it takes a little while, I think. <laughs> I, but like you, I used to think, like, I can't see the puck, and a, a few years ago, I don't know if they still do this, but they were trying something on televised versions of hockey where they would put a little neon like glow thing around the puck and it looked so stupid. And I'm actually very against the other graphical sports thing um, on baseball games where they have the little rectangle in the strike zone. Really? And I hate that. Why? I, I, I don't like it. I, cause I feel like, cause <laughs> I feel like I can see it. I don't need, well, that's just me. I don't know. Cause I, okay. I'm used to watching baseball in a more old school way. So yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah. Well, very interesting. Cool. Thanks for sharing that. You're welcome. Now, I would like for you to tell us about a simple favor because you got me very excited about it the other day. <laughs> yes. The other day, I, I texted Carrie and said that A Simple Favor is one of the best movies I've seen recently and that Blake Lively is a revelation. A revelation. In this film. Okay. So... <laughs> Um, this was a little bit of a smaller movie. Um, this came out originally in 2018. I did not see it in the theater, um, but it is currently on Hulu. And one night I was just kind of, you know, scrolling through options on Hulu and was like, oh, I kind of had wanted to see that. Let me see it. It's not super long. And I was just blown away by how <laughs> amazing, strange and wonderful it was. Um, this was, uh, again, it came out last year. And it's a film adaptation of Darcy Bell's 2017 novel of the same name. Um, this is directed by Paul Feig, who did the Ghostbusters reboot. Oh, is that how you say his name? Yeah, Feig. Mm-hmm. Oh, I thought it was Feig. Feig, no. <laughs> I only know it's Feig because he was an intermittent guest star on Joel McHale's Netflix show a couple of years ago. And he would just oh. really pop up as a kind of raconteur man about town for no okay. purpose. And yeah, I think he was a producer on that show. And so okay. he was cool. like a computer. But um, Paul Feig was also uh, part of 
Freaks and Geeks, the TV show from a few years oh. back with Judd Apatow. So they have a, a little bit of a similar sensibility. And so this this film stars uh, Blake Lively, as well as Anna Kendrick and Henry Golding. And basically, Anna Kendrick is a more traditional suburban um, stay-at-home mom, although she has a, a mommy vlog, video blog that she does. <laughs> and Blake Lively, uh, her kid is also in the same school with Anna's kid. And Blake, though, is this kind of strange, mysterious career woman. And it's almost yes. like a, a great Gatsby kind of situation where oh. Anna Kendrick is kind of the the narrator character and Blake Lively is the Gatsby figure and she's very mysterious. And she goes missing and, and it kind of unrolls from there. And um, it's a very, it's very funny, but it's a dark comedy and it's a thriller. And it's just nothing what you would expect. There's twists oh. and turns on every way. And um, Anna Kendrick is also kind of playing against type a little bit as being very kind of mousy and shy and a little bit more uh, traditional. And Blake is just chewing the scenery, basically. <laughs> and I think the thing that really um, made me find this role so compelling for her is that I like Blake Lively. I kind of want to like Blake Lively, but mm-hmm. I haven't actually really thought she was given enough material to kind of show her range as an actress. Um, I used to watch Gossip Girl, and I always liked her of character. Of course. Who didn't? Who didn't? Who didn't like Gossip Girl? But, you know... Um, I think her friend's character was the more compelling one. She was quasi villainous, whereas okay. Blake was kind of the good girl and didn't really have a lot to really do. And here she's able to play that kind of more mysterious character and be really over the top about it and yet be also restrained in that. So yeah. I was just very impressed with her performance and it was just kind of a different role for her. I also liked Henry Golding as Blake's husband. Um, he's a British Asian actor and he's portrayed as being like the romantic lead and he's extremely handsome. And I just thought he was a really good casting choice and I really want to see more from him. So there we go. Okay. I highly, highly, highly recommend. And if you've got Hulu, even if you have the, the version of Hulu with commercials, there's no commercials in a lot of their movies. So I did not know that. Yes. Yes. Cause that's the version I have, but I mostly just use it to watch Bob's burgers. <laughs> I usually I usually mostly watch it uh, use it to watch uh, Love It or List It. So okay, I don't cool. watch a lot of movies on there, and it was nice to see no commercials in the movie. That's awesome. I am gonna give that a shot. Cool. Well, and speaking of visual stuff, do you want to discuss uh, Gentleman Jack? I know you've been watching that. I do want to talk about it. Have you seen any of it? No, not yet. Do you know any what it's about? Not too much. So yeah, tell okay. Me all, about- all right. So it's. A series from BBC and uh, I guess a partnership with HBO. And uh, it's written and directed, or mostly directed, I think, by Sally Wainwright, who has done like some period drama and some British dramas and stuff. And it stars Saran Jones as Anne Lister, who was a real person. Oh. And it's, yeah, did you not know that? No, I didn't know that. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's wild. The series itself takes place in 1832, 1833, but she started writing diaries in 1816, I think. And part of her diaries are in code. Because, yeah, she like made up this code because she was a lesbian. And obviously that's not like something that you want to have written down all the time. Um, She's got like five million words written in her oh. diaries yeah it's like 27 volumes they haven't all been uncoded yet i think 
I don't know exactly who like did all of the decoding, but um, Helena Whitbread came out in the 90s, I think, with a, not a translation, but kind of an edited version of, of some of the diaries from 1816 to 1824 or something like that. So anyway, so she was a real person based on a real person, and Saran Jones plays her. And she just has this charismatic presence. So the the storyline is that she is a landowner in Halifax in 1832. And she's a woman. So not a lot of people take her seriously. Like she's out there collecting rents and everyone's trying to get their rents down because she's a woman. And they think that, you know, she'll give them a break on stuff. And one of the main storylines is that there's coal in her land, I guess, underneath. And um, her, not neighbors, but these guys named the Rossons, Christopher and Jeremiah Rosson, their brothers, have a coal pit that abuts her land, and they're kind of in her land stealing her coal. And she's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Rude. Guys, no, yeah. So a lot of, one of the big storylines is her trying to um, dissuade them from stealing her coal slash get them to to pay for it, pay for what they've already stolen. And one of the things I really like about her is that she's really assertive and she just like knows what she wants and she knows what she deserves. And she's like, I'm going to go, I'm going to go get it. And at this point, she's 40, 41. And she really wants a wife, basically. She wants someone to spend the rest of her life with and she's had a lot of disappointments because you know it's the 1830s and I imagine it's <laughs> it's very hard to feel out <laughs> whether a lady you're into is into other ladies in in that time period so she has this dual problem of like she wants to settle down but she wants to get this coal business done with and she doesn't even though she's a landowner, she doesn't have a ton of money at her disposal. So her neighbor, Ann Walker, is uh, like a 29-year-old heiress. So she's got money. She Her family kind of sees her as an invalid. And they, they don't, I don't know if they necessarily take advantage of her, but they are very, they keep a close eye on her and make sure she's not like doling away her money in, in untoward ways. And Ann Lister is like, hey... This might solve both of my problems. <laughs> so basically she she goes and she goes over to her, her neighbors and is and like seduces her kind of. But but it turns into like this really sweet love story and Anne Walker is played by Sophie Rundle, who's fantastic. She's been in Peaky Blinders, she's been in the I think one of the favorite things I've seen her in is the Bletchley Circle. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. Yeah, she's in that one. Um, it's about women code breakers after World War II. Um, so just both both women are they have really great chemistry and both of their stories are really interesting. So I re- I'm really I really like Anne Lister because I kind of see her as akin to Elizabeth Bennet in a way that you know she is not afraid to say what she is feeling, and I'm not that kind of person. So I really, I really admire that. And then Ann Walker is, is like me. She's shy and, and reserved. Um, but over the course of the, it's eight episodes. So over the course of the series, she learns to look after herself and, and just have more confidence in herself, I think. So 
Yeah, and it's it's oh, it's just so good. It's a period <laughs> drama, and the costumes are great, and there are fourth wall breaks, which I don't love actually. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. I I re- I don't like them in TV usually because and movies and stuff because it draws too much attention to the fact that it's fake. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean they do that in House of Cards a lot and I in that show I liked it, but it I liked it because it undermined our unreliable protagonist. Okay. I've never actually watched House of Cards, but I I've, I've seen adaptations of plays and stuff where they use it and I I was okay with it there. So before I started watching Gentleman Jack, I knew that there were fourth wall breaks. And I was like, oh, I'm going to hate this. <laughs> and then they happened. And Saran Jones is so charming. Also, because I knew that they were based on diaries. And some of the fourth wall breaks are quotes from diaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I think it works really well here. So... Yeah, before I went into it, I was like, oh, no, fourth wall breaks. And then I'm like, oh, they do it so well. No one else can ever do fourth wall breaks again. <laughs> well, in a, in a way, you know, it's like a, a little bit more referential voiceover narration, right? So, and I don't know, does that bother you? Like if there's a voiceover narration in a movie? No. No? Okay. No, and, and this one, this does incorporate that too. Okay. And some of the some of it's really interesting because there's at least one instance where there's a voiceover and it's a letter to her aunt. And um, so she's narrating this letter to her aunt and the camera's on her. She's in Copenhagen or somewhere traveling. And and then she looks at the camera and she says the rest of the letter, the rest oh. of the sentence. And I, it's just a really cool transition. Cool. Cool. I'll yeah. Check that out. Definitely. Let me know what you think. I will. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> okay. So now that I've I've spoken too much about Gentleman <laughs> Jack. Oh, and since I'm talking about Gentleman Jack, I listened to this podcast called Shibden After Dark, and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And um, it's the first like nine episodes of it analyze the TV episodes, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's just a lot of fun. It's hosted by these women named Leanne and Mary. And um, I'm just always laughing so much. <laughs> so I want to give a little shout out, shout out to them because they're a lot of fun. I love podcasts that follow along the viewing of a show. Yeah. That is, I'm listening to one right now because I'm going to rewatch Lost. And I okay. just have a podcast and it's, it's a lot of fun. And I, when Twin Peaks was getting ready for its return, there's a, there's a podcast called Damn Fine Podcast. <laughs> I to that along with it and it just really enhanced my viewing. So, yeah. Nice. What what's the Lost podcast? Um. Okay, so it started out as the Game of Thrones podcast, and I didn't listen to it then. Um, oh. But, they, but because Game of Thrones ended, they had to switch what they were covering. So, okay. um, the Lost podcast is called The Storm. Oh. Okay. I've only listened to a little bit of it, so I don't have specific people to shout out to that I that I okay. on there. But it's um, hosted by two guys and a and a woman, and they seem like a lot of fun. So I'm excited about it. Awesome. Well, I hope you enjoy your rewatch. Thank you. But we're going to switch gears a little bit. I would like to ask you about Republic of Lies, your current nonfiction read, or your yes. recent nonfiction read. Yes, I, I consumed that a little bit ago, a couple months ago. Um, I actually listened to it on audiobook. And the I love audiobooks. I love audiobooks. And I would um, listen to that while on runs and working out and stuff. And it was a really good fuel for my workouts because... <laughs> 
This book is called Republic of Lies, colon, American Conspiracy Theorists and Their Surprising Rise to Power. And this is by Anna Merlin. She's a former Jezebel contributor and freelance journalist. Um, this just came out this year. And I heard, okay. I heard a little segment of it on NPR and then I read an excerpt from it on Jezebel and I was like, I have to read this book. This sounds <laughs> Uh, because it's so, I, I love kind of true crime stuff and also kind of dispelling myths. And actually, some of my own fiction is about conspiracy theories and how really, if you were to solve the kernel of truth in there, you could kind of unravel the the conspiracy element of them. That's something that fascinates me. And okay. so this this book is about how conspiracy theories proliferate some of the major ones in American culture and how it's difficult for people who, who have latched onto them to disengage with them. And she talks about things like online communities where they kind of reinforce each other. And mm. she, she also goes to some conspiracy conventions and goes... Those exist? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I actually know somebody who went to one recently. I don't know the, the lowdown. She was uh, helping film a documentary at one. Um, but That's it was, awesome. Yes. And it sounded very similar to the ones that, that Anna Merlin went to. But it's, very, it's also very well-researched, well-written... I think she gives everybody a fair shot, but she, I mean, it's, it's kind of against conspiracy theories being viable ways of thinking. Mm-hmm. So be aware of that going in. But she does also talk about how even well-meaning people can get a little conspiratorial when information is being seemingly withheld. So she goes into the fact okay. that um, several Black Lives Matters activists have been killed since mm-hmm. the riots and that's led to a little bit of you know uh, a, a lot of people saying things like I don't know if this is something but I'm just saying and and that is a form of conspiracy theory proliferation you know yeah and um, it's not to say that there aren't such things as conspiracies and she does cover some actual conspiracies that occurred in, in history but but the vast majority of them are really just people who have decided that some part of the real story, is not accurate or there's information not being fully shared. So, yeah, but it's, it's kind of fascinating. And I've probably been guilty of getting down rabbit holes of unsolved true crimes and thinking, Oh, well, what if it was some big, and it's like, well, probably not. I think that the, the best way to think about this is uh, we have a hard time in, in, in society of accomplishing a lot of good things. So why would we be able to put together some kind of vast, bad thing you know? <laughs> like we're, we're woefully incompetent as a species so <laughs> i always err on the side of never assume malice when it's probably stupidity you know oh, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it yeah. yeah i could that sounds really interesting and i am totally guilty of latching onto theories and not really <laughs> wanting to let them go even yeah. in, the, in the face of actual facts yeah like I watched this whole series. It was like an eight-part series. I think it was on the History Channel. I'll have to look up what it was called, but this guy named Jeff Mudgett, who is like the great-great-grand-nephew or someone of H.H. Holmes, was was hooked up with this ex-CIA agent (laughs) named Amaryllis Fox, I think. (laughs) Really? Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if that's really her name, but I was like, this is this has the makings of a great series. But um, <laughs> they set about trying to prove that H.H. H. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. And I mean, there are a lot of 
coincidences. And ultimately, I think there was no actual proof that they were the same person. But yeah, part of me is still like, that's my, that's, yeah. Yeah. Holmes was Jack the Ripper. You can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> well, and, and Jack the Ripper is an interesting kind of conspiracy. Anna Merlin doesn't really cover him, but we want there to be less evil in the world. Mm-hmm. So we want to consolidate it, right? So the idea that, oh, H.H. H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper were the same person. And that would mean that there was really only one serial killer operating during that time in two different countries. And, you know, but that's not super likely logistically right. with the travel <laughs> But we want to think that, well, they couldn't possibly have been independent serial killers working in in these two different societies. And I've seen similar things that uh, I read that Patricia Cornwell book about William Sickert, the artist. Oh, yeah, I've read that, too. Yeah. And she makes a really good case in there. But she also is very selective in in the evidence that she uses and how she interprets it. So as researchers, like if we're researching a novel or or a book or, or writing an article or something, we have to be really careful that we're not kind of distilling the information to fit our theory and narrative. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the danger when you start to think in a conspiratorial way that you've sifted through that enough that you've kind of forgotten, oh, well, there's there was stuff that I kind of set by the wayside that didn't fit my theory that I maybe should be continuing to include for the sake of full and objective truth. So. Well, do you think that the time period that we live in, not the, well, not the time period, but the current administration, we're both American for if anyone's listening to this. <laughs> so we're currently living under the Trump presidency, unfortunately. But more and more information comes out about the things that he and his administration are doing and have been. I don't even know exactly how to say it, but um, so you think all of that is contributing to this mindset that, yeah, there's a lot that's happening that the government's not telling us and they're trying to hide. And yeah, there are conspiracies everywhere. Well, I think what one of the points that Merlin makes is that when we are in a period of cultural unrest and change, that there is a surge of conspiratorial thinking among the people. And this has happened throughout centuries. So there was a lot of conspiratorial thinking around the Civil War period, too, um, because we were obviously undergoing a lot of trauma and change as a nation. There was a lot of conspiratorial thinking in the early 90s because we were changing decades, we were changing administrations, we were changing, as the 90s went on, we were changing leadership in our political parties. So you have things like the X-Files come out at that period. And a lot of online, as the internet began, there was a lot of online spaces for that to exist. But it happens when we change centuries. It happens when we change decades. It happens when new technology emerges. It happens when leadership regimes change uh, around the world. So, so I, basically all the time. Well, then, and that's, that was one of her points is that because we are moving even faster and faster technologically and communication is better, that it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of happening all the time now. And it gets really hard to to have the correction to a fallacy come up as the first search result, that the, okay. fal- the fallacy itself gains more traction. And even when it's corrected, that doesn't make the news as much as the original erroneous report. Right. Yeah, I've noticed that. 
So that's really interesting, but also slightly terrifying. It's slightly terrifying, but I think that she also, I think she offers us a ray of hope in it. So it's a really fun read if you like that kind of thing, both as a kind of, ooh, what is this, what is this conspiracy about? But also as a, like a, if you're a researcher or something, I think that it's appealing because it helps kind of break those things down and demystify them quite a bit. And it's just, mm-hmm. again, it's very, very well written. And I liked the narrator on the audiobook, so. Awesome. It's great when you get a good narrator. Yes, yes. Well, thank you. Thank you. Do we want to talk about what we want to talk about next time? Yeah. So in future episodes of this show, we will continue to talk about things that we're digging right this minute or that we have recently been consuming and enjoying. Um, but we also will have interviews with uh, people that we think are cool. What kind of what kind of folks do we think we might want to interview, Carrie? Oh, I I know we started out with writers just because we are writers and we know a lot of them. Yeah. But I'd be open to a lot of different types of people, any type of creative person, but also just people who are consumers of pop culture and they want to talk about something that they really, really love. Awesome. I think we're also going to have a segment in future episodes where we revisit the pilot episode of an older TV show either one that we've never seen or that we haven't seen in a long time and discuss whether or not it still holds up. So be on the lookout for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited for that. And we are going to start with heroes. Yes. Now I have not seen heroes in several years and I don't think I ever finished the last season. So I remember loving the pilot. I, that's my situation. I never finished the show. And I haven't watched it since it aired, basically. I I don't really remember having any particular thoughts about the pilot. I remember the, thinking that the first season was kind of a perfect season of television. So maybe this will inspire us to review at least season one and then pretend it ended after that. <laughs> yeah, I often think TV shows don't end soon enough. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a common... I'm I'm making my way through the last season of Orange is the New Black right now, and I feel like it's still very, very good, but there's a couple seasons right before the current season that I feel like, I don't know how necessary that was. So, okay, but it, the current season is strong. The current season so far, and I'm, I'm maybe a third of the way through, so I'm liking it so far. Yeah. Good. That's good. I think I think it's good when the last season is strong as opposed to Heroes. I felt I felt like Heroes just petered out. <laughs> it was well, like, well, we tried and we couldn't recapture the the magic that was season one, so right. we're gonna stop now. Yeah. But we'll get into more depth with that in our next episode. We will. For now, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Could we, um do we want to tell people where they can find us on social media? Sure. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter. It's just at Carrie Gessner. And Instagram is Carrie Gessner. CarrieGessner.com. I have a blog and I don't write a lot. <laughs> but there you go. And I'm on Twitter at KWTaylorWriter and also KWTaylorWriter.com, where I also blog a bit intermittently, but hopefully I'll get that moving a little bit more. And we'll, we'll get more social media for this show as we progress too. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.